Welcome to So What Else. My name is Caitlin Elliott and I love talking to people. I love hearing people's stories, the big important things they've been through, and also the random stuff. We're going to talk about it all here. This podcast is just me talking with fascinating people so that we can all hear what they have to share with the world. So what else? All right. Welcome to this episode of So What Else. I'm here with my friend Chelsea. I've known Chelsea for about 10 years and she is another Colorado friend. I say Colorado, but Scott yells at me and says that we have to say Colorado because that's how the natives say it. But anyway, Chelsea is here with us. Say hey to everybody, Chelsea. Hey, how is everyone today? We're doing good. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Like, who are you? Well, Kate and I, like Kate said, I've known you for 10 years. We met through um, Scott, who I had known since I was 15. Um, I'm a wife. I'm a mom. I'm a teacher. I've taught for 12 years here in Colorado. So lots of adventures of life. Oh, yeah. (laughs) And how's that going in the pandemic for you? Um, let's say the word adventure sums up Uh, this year. It has been a roller coaster. We've gone from online to hybrid back to online. We are in person now, um, which I'm super grateful for, as you know, having a teacher trying to teach seven-year-olds online is uh, an interesting feat every single day. So I'm glad to have my kids in person. I think the first thing they said to me when they came back in January is that they would never take for granted coming to school every day. It is So, so true like my school this year has been pretty much all in person but we've had a few remote weeks and it's funny Mm -hmm. whenever we have a remote week and I say to the kids like so you happy to be home this week unanimously they're all like no I hate it I want to come back to school which like a few years ago kids would never be like I want to go to school they appreciate it so much more now Oh, that, and I think the hardest thing is, is like at seven, like they're still so huggy and lovey. Yeah. And it's that like, oh, can I hug you? Can I not? So we do lots of air high fives. We're do, trying yeah. to do like cool, new, inventive, like elbow bumps or fit bumps to like yeah. try to say hi. But they have been so thrilled to be back in class. And I'm super unfortunate. I've had like an awesome group of kids this year that has just made it like uh. super were fun and they've just kind of rolled with the punches. So that's, that's helped good. a ton. <laughs> that's so good. Now, and then you have two boys. So tell yes. us about your kids. So I have a seven, seven-year-old, almost eight-year-old. And then um, my youngest, Hudson, is uh, just turned three. So uh, they keep life busy. Yes. So sure. what was it like teaching the same age as Aiden? Um, some days it was hard. I got a lot of mom, you don't know what we're doing. And I'm like, ah. I, mean, I literally planned this lesson with your teacher. <laughs> Um, so we had some of those moments, um, on the flip side though, it was really awesome. So the way our district did is teachers could come into the building to teach. We didn't have to teach from home, which I like loved that degree of separation because in the spring it was like way, way hard having both kids here trying to teach. So I appreciated my youngest still got to go to daycare. Um, so that piece of normalcy was great. Um, but Aiden and I shared the same space. So he'd be doing second grade in my classroom while I was still teaching. So we got a lot of quality time. Like when he yeah. went back, he was like in his class, he's like, mom, I actually kind of miss hanging out with you every day. And I was like, oh, like you still love me. Yeah, That's cute that you got to do yeah. that. Yeah, So that was, I appreciated that uh, part of, of the piece, but there is an, and on the flip side, like if he was struggling or needed help, like it was easier for me to jump in. So I can't imagine yes. parents that were like, I haven't been in school for 
15 years, 20 years that are like, how are we doing math this time? And at least like I could explain the math strategy because I feel like that's all parents say is like, you teach math so differently. It's been so hard. I feel like that's been like the harder thing being at school is just strategies are so different now. Um, It's been a blessing in some aspects. Aiden and I have had a lot of togetherness. (laughs) Which um, is good and bad. Good and bad. I mean, I can't say I would trade the time with him. Um, yeah. He'll definitely have a very unique second grade experience having been mom, having mom so close. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. No, it really is so true. All the togetherness with our children. It's like <laughs> we love them and we're ready to not be with them so much. Like right before we started recording, Chels was like, oh, is Jace going to preschool in the fall? And I was like, yes. Yes, <laughs> she is for my sake and her sake and everybody because this has just been a long year. It has a well, lot. And I, like I said, it's been a blessing, but like my three-year-old would have stayed home with me. He would like camp out here all day long today. He even, I like went to wake him up and he's like, I just need five minutes. Mom. <laughs> I was like, okay, I'll give you five minutes. And then my husband and he goes, I don't think I can go to school today, dad. I'll just stay home. And I was like, Oh, oh no, no, we gotta go. Yeah. yeah. So it's good, but there's been a lot of together. Oh yeah. Lots and <laughs> lots. When you see like other humans besides your family, you're like, oh, people. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh my gosh. But I was so nervous for Emerson because she's only two. And so for a whole year, like from her whole year, one to two, she never saw anyone. And I was so nervous that she was going to be a bully. And like last summer, a few times we were out and she would see other kids and be like kind of weird. And I was like, great. I was like, she's, she's going to be awkward. Yeah. Like I was like, this is what's happening this past weekend. We were at the park and this other family showed up and she was like, yay friend. And I was like, thank you, Jesus. I was like, she likes other people. I was like so happy because it's like, I don't know. Like, is she going to be able to handle social life? I have no idea. (laughs) The worries we carry as moms. (laughs) Oh, it's ridiculous. And so your husband, Nate, has a crazy job. Yes. So my husband's alignment. Um, And I was very naive to what alignment is. Like when we first started dating, I was like, oh, you're like a lot alignment in the NFL. Like seriously, like you block for like you block and protect like the quarterback. I know what absolutely. I remember when you guys started dating and you're like, he's a lineman. And I was like, oh, is he a professional football player? And you're like, that's not what a lineman is. But yeah, I was the same way. I was so naive. I'm like, what is the thing that you like speak of? So he actually goes out and like fixes electrical poles and keeps like cities up and running. Oh and so yes, his um job is very, very interesting. He, uh, I still remember the first time we like met some of his like co-workers and friends that are in the business and they were like oh yeah I remember like when we were out in the bucket truck and it was like thundering and lightning and you're like holding the like rods and like all this stuff and like Nate just said like the color drained out of my face like realizing the danger of his job and apparently he was like standing behind me like waving (laughs) his friends to stop Stop the story hold the story so afraid that I was going to like cut and run yeah now like now I'm just used to it. Like we just had a huge blizzard here in Colorado a couple weeks ago and I didn't yeah. see him for like three days. So now it's just like part of our everyday life. And it just, I'm, I'm used to it. I, I can't say a mom of the year when he's on call, like had some other day during the blizzard on day three, he was like, it's like, what do you want for dinner? He goes lucky charms and goldfish. And I was like, sold. Sure. I don't even sure. like, at this point you're alive. Yes. You're <laughs> you know? breathing. We were all caged in after a snowstorm, only parent on duty. I was like, fine, you were having that for dinner. I don't even care. 
So it's hard though, because it's like, you know, if people, people usually get, oh, they're so excited. A big snowstorm's coming. Let's all stay in and watch movies and have family time and hot chocolate and build snowmen. And all the moms love to throw around. Like I send them out with dad because I don't want to go out and play in the snow. But with you, you're like, this is my husband's busiest time. Like I'm mom and dad. Yes. And that's very true. Thunderstorm, hailstorm, any kind of storm, it's very rare that he is going to be home. So I just get you, we've gotten used to it. We have kind of our schedule. Usually I do pretty good during the day. It's at night that I like tend to be a little more worried. And yeah. I always tell him, I'm like, am I that like obnoxious wife that's like texting you to be like, are you alive? I'm like, please tell me the other wives do that. He goes, all the wives do it. You're fine. Like oh, we all absolutely. know. And so I feel a little bit better about it now, but yes, I would kill for Nate to be home on a snowstorm. Cause I hate being cold and having oh, yeah. to go in the snow with my kids and like build torture. For, like, I'm like, Oh, that's just not my favorite. So no. I suck it up, but you're a good mom. <laughs> I, I hate it. So when Nate's home on a snow day. <laughs> oh my gosh. We had so much snow here this year. And it was just like, you know, the first time it's fun. You're like, this is so cute. They're so oh, yeah. cute in the snow. And then you're like, and now I don't want to ever do this again. Like mm -hmm. I I'm good till next winter. Like I'm annoyed with this, I'm totally fine. <laughs> Ugh, but he is a beast. Nate is like, yeah. seriously, like he's awesome, but he's like a teddy bear. He's just, he is, he is my big teddy bear. He comes across very gruff and tough, but he is the biggest teddy bear you'll ever meet. <laughs> Ugh, we love Nate. He is the best, but so, all right. So I met you, I think it's like a decade ago. It has to at least be a decade. It might. Yeah. Like, it oh. might even be. How old we are at this point. I know, right? How sad is that? We used to be young, we're like young and new, like at teaching. Exactly. Now we're like, we've been doing this for a thousand years. Sure. Uh, but yeah, so basically Scott and I started dating and we were dating long distance. And so I knew of his, you know, of course he talked about his best friend, Josh, all the time, but I didn't know him as Josh. He called him Sago because his last name was Segoviano. So I knew about Sago is his absolute best friend and, uh, it, like he was the one I needed to impress, like no pressure and his wife, Chelsea. Right. So I remember coming out and like being nervous, like to meet you and stuff like that. But I love like one of my favorite things to have Scott talk about is like the early days with him and Sago. Like just this morning, I was like, remind me uh, like when you and Sago became friends and he was like, oh yeah, like I was right out of college working at some company. And like, he was like, it was like, we were all in cubicles, whatever. And like, mm -hmm. I guess Sago had been working there already. And he would come over and like chat it up with Scott. And Scott was like, all right, like whatever. Like, I don't really need any friends. And then he said that one day Scott like went out to his car and got like two day old Taco mm -hmm. Bell that was like sitting in his truck and was mm -hmm. like, I'm just going to eat lunch and then Sago comes by and he's like oh you went to Taco Bell like you should have told me and Scott was like no nah, this was just like in my truck and yeah. he was like what do you mean it was in your truck and he's like I don't know like I got it the other day and he said Sago like grabbed it and threw it out and Scott was like are you kidding me like you just threw out my lunch and he was like I cannot watch you get food poisoning in front of my eyes like and then he went out and got Scott like a fresh lunch which yes, is I that it, like mom at, at work oh yeah I feel like that sums up their relationship like <laughs> all times like it was just like what are you doing why are you eating that stuff and that just like that was their relationship 100 <laughs> oh I remember even like Scott and I at one point were going to a wedding and he was like I don't have a suit and I was like what do you oh, mean yeah. you don't have a suit and he was like I like don't have dress clothes and I was like 
well, I don't know how to shop for a suit. So I was like, Sago <laughs> has to take you. So like Sago like took him to Express mm -hmm. and he was like, very like, try on this cut, try on this cut. This is yeah. the color. This is this. This is what you're buying. This is your suit, like the whole nine yards. And I was like, well, that's what Scott needs. Like he, he needed that friend. I just, it makes me laugh because I truly wonder like when Josh, because they roommate, they were roommates for three, four years, like yeah. how Scott like functioned after he moved out when we got married. I was like, he has to be living on like cereal and waffles. Like that has to be it. Yes. And like, honestly, when I'm not around, that's still what he functions on. Like it was like, Sago was like his wife before me. Yes. Like it was literally just like, he like helped keep him in line. Like he, they, yes. so yeah, so they were coworkers. They were roommates. They planted a church together. My favorite was that so Scott bought this house and was like redoing it. It was like a fix and flip. And so then Sago was living in it with him, but it was like totally needing to be renovated still. Like it was not done. And I guess like the understanding was that Scott and Sago would be like working on it all the time or whatever. And so there was like one day I remember them saying that they heard Scott's dad like pull yeah. up and they like heard the truck and they both just like, ran out of their rooms, met in the hallway and just like grabbed drills and like pretended to be. And they were like, we're just putting up this drywall because <laughs> they were scared. That, they were like, yes, all the time. When I first met it, literally, that is how it was. Ugh. They were like, oh, Steve's coming. We better get going. <laughs> <laughs> we got to look like we're busy. We're working yeah. hard. We're not just laying around here. Oh my gosh. Eating our pop tarts, all of the above. <laughs> uh, yes. I mean, they, we could go on for years with their story. Yes. So tell me about your relationship with Sago. So how did you meet him? So Josh and I actually met at church. We had the same group of mutual friends, just happenstance. We had like never run into each other outside. Um, and we met one day and to be honest, like I was not interested at all. Like if Josh were here telling the story, he would have just been like, I'm so interested. Like, <laughs> give me the time of day. And that's probably about right. Like I thought he was a really sweet guy. Um, but thankfully he was really oblivious to the fact that I wasn't interested and just kept on going and going. Like, like we kept on talking and developing a friendship. Like my dad, I still remember it. I think it was like the first time he came to like pick me up for a date. He's like, buddy, I got to give it to you. You were persistent. Like she wasn't interested at all. And like that, as soon as we came for our first date, he's like, I didn't know you weren't interested. <laughs> I was like, he goes, I just thought you were like shy and taking your That's time. So like, no, it took me a while to like come around to like, <laughs> like this is a great idea to go out on a date with him. And um, so like once we went out, it was just one of those like instant like connections. Like he was that guy that you like felt like he was your best friend from the time that you met him, obviously from the relationship of Scott and um, Josh, they always felt that way. And it was very similar. Um, with us we dated for a year and after a year um we went on like a family trip to Hawaii and um we had kind of talked about getting engaged and stuff like that but I told him I was like I am not getting married until I finish college this is like mm -hmm. the one thing I want to do for me mm -hmm. um, I want to do it by myself with like not having any responsibilities of other grown-up life yes yeah did. And so we did get engaged after a year, but or uh, for after a year, and then two years we were engaged for two years, and then got married in June of two thousand nine, mm. and that was just kind of how it went. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. I mean, and your wedding pictures are like beyond. So <laughs> You're so gorgeous. cute. 
that my boys will look through them and be through the wedding albums and stuff like that to, to see pictures and all that good stuff. Oh, and I remember, so Scott was Sago's best man at your wedding. And so, I mean, it was gorgeous. So to early married life, what you like, you guys had an apartment, just kind of like normal people. Normal people, we moved out. Like I literally graduated from college. Three weeks later, we were married and I moved straight from my parents' house into an apartment with Josh. Um, Like normal married people, like we're fun getting to learning to like live together for the first time, which is always an adventure, no matter like whether you're 30 or in your 20s, like it's always an adventure learning to live with your spouse and all the little things that you do what that I didn't know of. Or Or he Um, had like twice the amount of clothes that you had. Um, probably fitting things in a closet together was Rough. always very fun <laughs> or his biggest thing he and I know this will shock you like he was so OCD about like folding and doing laundry oh, and my I got a whole school on like how to fold a shirt the funny thing is I still fold them that way uh, to this <laughs> day and I feel like judgment if I don't like newlyweds like dreaming of our future like wanting kids and a house yeah. like pretty typical yeah, um, totally. Like, <laughs> yeah, we were out of the ordinary. So, how long were you guys married before Sago started having health issues? So, we were married um, before we were married just over a year when he got his cancer diagnosis. I would say things started like health wise. Probably, we got married in June of two thousand nine. So probably May of 2010, he started having back issues, but it wasn't anything like I was super worried about because he had had a slip disc a few years earlier. And so when he started having back pain, we just assumed he had slipped a disc again. We'd actually gone out and played, um, ultimate frisbee with a whole bunch of friends mm-hmm. and, um, they, he came home really, really sore. So again, we just thought it was a slip disc. We let it go for a couple of weeks. He we went to the doctor they were like, Oh, that's absolutely what it is. Like, I don't even think they did an MRI or anything mm-hmm. like that. They just assumed it was the same thing and gave him a cortisol shot and just kind of moved on. Well, within a month or so, like he was in severe pain, probably the worst pain. Like I've seen even compared to like a slip disc, but again, it was one of those, like he was going to a chiropractor. He was getting massages. Oh, he just yeah. thought it was something that had to, it was just a muscle issue or a disc issue. Like it, we really didn't put much stock into it mm-hmm. um, at that point. And then um, in August of school had just started. Mm-hmm. Um, he was, he kept saying, I keep, he's like, I'm losing weight but my pants, like right around my abdomen, just keep feeling really like tight and uncomfortable and all this stuff. And he's like, I swear, like my stomach is just like super, super bloated. And I was like, well, welcome to being a woman. Like yeah, that's right. part of our life. Like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm like, this is not new information to us. Right. And um, like, I kept joking with him. I was like, it's probably because you ate a big burrito or like, you yeah. pizza. And I like it was I was totally I'm gonna be honest the unsympathetic wife I was just like you're fine Get over like, it yeah dramatic. and so finally we were out to dinner um one day with my parents and my mom had said you know maybe you're having like gallbladder issues because he like was having our anytime we ate a really heavy meal it was mm-hmm. like he had an like a hard time digesting or mm-hmm. like he just was super uncomfortable um, after he ate a big meal. And so my mom was like, you know, you should probably like schedule a doctor's appointment and just like maybe have some blood work done, something along those lines. So he decided that he was going to do that. Um, 
And I went to school knowing, knowing he had a doctor's appointment and at lunch. So I think his appointment was at like 10 in the morning. I had a voicemail at lunch that said, Hey, um, they did some blood work. Um, and they want to send me over to the hospital for some scans immediately. And in my gut, I just like knew something like yeah. they don't, it, w- it was yeah. um, thing. And so I just, I tried not to like, let it get the best of me. Um, but in the back of my head, like I'm trying to finish teaching my kindergartners the rest of the day, like knowing Ugh. these scans are like going on and this and that. And I still remember, um, getting out of school and I was almost to our apartment and Josh called me and he said, where are you? And I said, oh, I'm almost home. Like, how'd your scans go? Like, is it going to be a couple of days? And he's, and he didn't say anything. He was just dead quiet. He's like, I need you to come to the doctor's office. I've been here all day. I'm back at, um, like our general, um, yeah doctor she wasn't at the hospital anymore I said okay and I said I could probably be there in about 10 minutes so I hung up with him and as soon as I got off the phone with him I called my mom and I was in tears with my mom as soon as I called her and I go he has cancer I know that's what they're going to tell me when I walk in that door and she's like no she's like it's probably something else like don't get the cart before the horse like I like just try to go in with a positive attitude he's so young he's I think when Josh got diagnosed, I was, so he would have been 28, 29 when he was diagnosed. Um, and she's like, he's so young. I highly doubt that that's it. So I show up to the doctor's office and thankfully, like we had a really great relationship with our doctor mm-hmm. and it wasn't, it actually wasn't our doctor. It was the RPA that we knew really well, okay. um, who, um, got the ball rolling and she mm-hmm. kind of stuck with us through actually this whole journey. Mm-hmm. Um, Tara was phenomenal. I, you know, Tara, yeah. she's awesome. Um, and we walked in and I wasn't, I wasn't sitting in her office more than 30 seconds before the words he has cancer came out. We don't know what type of cancer. We just know he has cancer. Um, we think it might be testicular where we have already lined up using three or four different doctors the next mm-hmm. day just to continue to go get tests. But this is where we're at. Mm -hmm. And so of course, sitting there, you're just so numb trying to process this because literally within a matter of seconds, your world has completely been turned upside down. Like Mm -hmm. as you very well know, walking through things with your mom, um, like it just, it, it changes everything. And so you just kind of sit there numb trying to digest everything. And I think my first question was, cause then they do that. Well, what do you have questions? Well, I have a bazillion <laughs> yeah. questions. Like, what don't I have a question? Yeah. Where do I even begin? And I think my first question was like, if we want to have kids, like yeah. what do we do to ensure that we can have children in the future? Yeah. Cause just knowing like how hard chemo is right off the bat. Cause oh, I did, yeah. and they didn't even say chemo. They didn't say radiation. Like we had no course of treatment, right. but I just knew that was always a dream of Josh and I to be parents. And that was like the first question I had was, can we have kids? And do we really have any idea like survival or this or that? And they couldn't answer a lot of that. They could answer the kid question yeah. um, in terms of like steps we could take. And they were like, we can absolutely set that up. But mm-hmm. Um, more so is just what are our next steps? So we went and actually my parents met us and we went out to dinner because my mom was like, Do you want to go over to the house? Do you want like you yeah. know how mom oh, yeah, pick. yes. What can I do? So, yeah. she, so Josh was actually like, Let's just go to dinner. He's like, I just need some normalcy, like I just yeah. need something. Yeah. So we went out to dinner 
had dinner. It was a pretty quiet dinner, as you can I'm imagine. Sure. Yeah. All of us are like trying yeah. to process this. Josh was super close with my pa- parents. Yeah. Um, and so they were even trying to process this and trying to figure out what their role was going to be as parents. Yeah. As just a support system for us. Like yeah. right off the bat, they were like, whatever you need, we are on board. We are mm-hmm. here for this ride. Like we're going to do anything you need. And so he was diagnosed on a Thursday on a Wednesday, Thursday, I took the day off. And I remember standing in our apartment, getting ready for the doctor's appointments that we had. And Josh just grabbed my hand or standing at the bottom of the stairs. And he just wrapped my arms around me. And he like made icon, like we were just like face to face. And he goes, no matter what, we're in this together. And I said, I'm not going anywhere. Hmm. You and I are in this together, no matter how long this is, we're doing this. And so we went to the doctor and it was a long road actually to find out like what his actual diagnosis was. So they went from, um, testicular cancer, which he did have surgery thinking that that was what it was. Um, and then after they got the biopsy, it wasn't that. And then they went to, well, it's probably lymphoma, lymphoma. Um, it could be just because his lymph node, there was so much cancer in his lymph nodes. Mm -hmm. And then we went from lymphoma to, we don't know what it is. Like they Mm -hmm. could not, it took us at least four weeks to get a cancer diagnosis because of how rare his cancer was, which it was torture. We did know, we went to the urologist, they looked at the scans. Um, and then we met with an amazing, our urologist and oncologist were probably some of the best people I've ever worked with. I still um, have contact with them and talk uh, with them. Yeah. Um, they're just really incredible people. But after talking with them, they let us know the diagnosis was stage four, no matter what kind of cancer it was, they were still in the, the trying to figure it out stage. He, um, he had a football size mass in his abdomen. It was a football. In- football in it. And that's why they were like, that's why you're so uncomfortable when you eat because everything is so compressed. He goes, it really had nothing to do with the digestive tract. It was just, there was no room in his abdomen for food. So he had a football size, um, mass in his abdomen. It was in his lungs in the lining of his heart, um, lining of his brain in his hip. And then in his, um, right arm were all the places that they had found it, not including all like the lymph nodes that are connected. Um, and so he, they, what they decided, cause they didn't have an f- official diagnosis. They ha- decided to do because it was so far progressed. And at the time, Josh, she was like, do you want to know prog- prognosis or oncologist? And he said, I don't want to know. So we, I, I stood behind him and yeah. said, he said, I just need to know I need to fight. And so we went in and did like a general round of chemo. Um, cause at that point they were still thinking it was lymphoma. So they had a, a general course that they wanted to try, um, why they were still getting some more biopsy results. And so he did do a general course of chemo and was so super sick. We ended up getting admitted to the hospital and that's when they ended up doing more, um, uh, biopsy results and this and that, and come to find out he had, um, rhabdomyosarcoma. I can't even say it now. Rhabdomyosarcoma, which is a soft tissue um, cancer that happens in like your connective tissue. Um, Super, super rare. It's usually a pediatric disease um, that you don't really see above people um, 17 and older. So um, very different course of treatment than what we would have gone for lymphoma or um, testicular cancer, but he was hospitalized after his first round. And, um, it was just never a dull moment after oh, that. Yeah. He, um, 
they decided to do several rounds of chemo, but while we were in our hospital stay, I remember him, uh, he asked for like a bottle of water or some ice or some gel. I can't even remember what he'd asked for. And I said, okay, I'll be right back. I'll go grab it from like the little stand in the yeah. hospital. And I walked back in the room and he like, no joke, very like serious. He goes, I think I just broke my arm. And I go, I remember what? that. Oh, what are you talking about? You broke yeah. your arm. Like, if you broke your arm, you'd be, screaming. you would know. Yeah. Yeah. And he, at that point he was on quite a bit of pain medicine. Right. Um, so he goes, no, it, you know, like the compression stockings that like you get yeah. in the hospital, he was pulling up his compression stockings. Cause I, at this point he had been in there for a week and stuff like he had all sorts of things happening. And he goes, I was pulling up my compression stockings. And he goes, I swear I heard my arm snap. And I go, you were I, like, I totally thought he was messing with me to like lighten, yeah. like just totally kidding. Sure enough, he snapped it right in half, oh pulling up stockings. So then it became like a joke that like he can't even like put a sock put on, a sock. <laughs> breaking a bone. But I mean, truly, that's how our whole adventure through, and I won't even say adventure, just journey through yeah. cancer. Like it was just hills and valleys and hills and valleys. Um, so after he um, got his diagnosis, we went through chemo from August to. December, all while he had been cast. Like now, yeah. not only is he chemo, he has a broken arm. Like he was, I hate, he would probably say he was just like the hot mess express. Like it was yeah. just one thing after another with him. Didn't he have MRSA? Um, um, not till later. So that oh, was okay, after okay. his big hospital stay. So we ended up, um, he went in in December, on December 15th for his um, surgery because chemo was working, tumor was shrinking, like it was out of his arm. Um, they were really excited about how his arm was healing. It was out of the lining of his brain, skin, um, heart and lungs were clear. So really what they were focusing on is this big mass. Like chemo was going great. At that point, I think we had already started radiation. So the, the doctors were feeling really like positive, like, yeah. you know, chemo's doing good. We've shrunk the tumor enough. It's time to go in. Well, we went in for surgery uh, in December and what was supposed to be a three hour surgery ended up turning into like an eight hour surgery. And I just remember like thinking, Oh my gosh, this is taking forever. This is yeah. taking forever. And at that point, your nerves just start to get the best of you. Of like course. you just, you don't know what to expect. And I mean, they were pretty honest going in, like this was going to be a really intense surgery. It was their hope that it wasn't around like his aorta that runs through your abdomen down to your mm -hmm. legs. It was their hope. It wasn't around intestine and kidneys and all of that, all of those vital organs, but they just couldn't see based mm -hmm. on where the scans are. They wouldn't know until they opened him up. So it was their hope. It was going to be a quick, let's take the tumor out and go. Mm -hmm. um, but unfortunately we had worst case scenario where it had wrapped around a lot of important organs. So he lost a kidney. They were able to get most of the tumor, but while he was in there, um, they were like scraping part of the cancer off of his aorta and his aorta burst open and they almost want to see well. Um, so like I said, what ended up supposed to be a three hour surgery ended up being an eight. And we, um, ended up in two more surgeries within a couple hours after him getting out because oh. his, where his aorta had opened up, it had clotted so much. It had cut off blood supply to his feet. And so Unfortunately, even after all the surgeries, he had had so much nerve damage because of the blood loss that he never truly regained full function of his legs after that from um, when we were in the hospital for almost two months after that surgery because of recovery. 
Um, he was in a wheelchair from that point on. I mean, he could walk, but not long distances just because he didn't have the feeling um, in that. And so, like I said, we were there for about two in the hospital for about two months. Um, At one point they um, said, you know, you're probably going to want to say your goodbyes. Like everything was shutting down. He was in ICU for at least a week and a half, almost two weeks. Mm. Um, And he was on dialysis. Things just were not looking good um, on a ventilator. And at 25, you never expect to be having to make life or death decisions for your husband. Mm. And, um, I just remember being in my, like coming home from the hospital at night and my mom was like, I was just dead quiet. And she's like, sweetheart, I need you to say something like what's going through your head. And I just looked at her and like, not even crying. I just go, I'm so angry. I said, mom, I don't want to talk because all I'm going to do is cuss in front of you. And I just don't want to cuss in front of you. Yeah. about everything because I just don't know how to process all of this yeah and um I go I just don't have anything nice to say like I'm really just trying to figure all of this out I mean we were very fortunate that after two weeks like his organs started to kick back into gear um but it was still a long road to recovery he ended up with horrible bed sores that he never really got rid of on the back of his feet and that's how um he ended up with MRSA Mm. Um, the hospital. Um, so it was just a long road. There was never, I know some people like cancer is never easy, but some people say like we went through chemo and radiation and it was pretty smooth sailing. We didn't have a lot of hospital stays. That was not Josh's journey. I feel like it was very, it was always a hold your breath till our next hospital stay. And that was for about two years that we did that. And, um, just very emotionally draining on both of us. And we never, um, really wanted. It was one of those things that we, w- ne- neither one of us had it crossed our minds to be like, yep, I'm bailing on, e- on you because right. I mean, we were in it for the long run, but it definitely became one of those things that in our marriage, we didn't want to be each other's burdens. Like you normally, when you go through a hard thing, you talk to your spouse about it, like yes. how you're feeling. But when it's your spouse that's sick, you don't want to say like, I'm, I'm struggling with this because yeah. they feel the cause of course and or like in josh's situation like if he's not feeling good or he's struggling he doesn't want to worry me anymore so it i mean it's an interesting dynamic when you're walking through those things yeah and i mean you you were so young and you had such a young marriage too like it's not like you'd been married for 20 years and it was like we have this communication thing down (laughs) it's like you've been married for a year we're still getting to know each other it's a, it definitely is a lot of on the job, like yeah. figure things out as, as we go, go along. I mean, one thing I will say is like, we had the most amazing support system. Mm-hmm. Like I could not have done it with it between friends and family, um, to like Josh's job was phenomenal. Yeah. All of I remember like that. they let him, and I, I use, I'm using air quotes, like mm-hmm. work remotely. Yeah. Literally his boss at some one point said, as long as you log in for like an hour of the day, we're counting it good. Um, Like just so that we could keep our insurance. Like they, at the beginning of our journey, like he, there's only so much sick and vacation time that you have and then you go on FMLA and that's not paid at least in the state of Colorado. I don't know how it is in other states. Um, but they had people like his CEO gifted him some of his sick and vacation time. Like it was just a lot of like really cool things that happened just so that we could get by. Like um, we were really fortunate that like, we just saw such an outpouring of love that um, really pushed us through a lot of those hard times. Oh yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, 
something that is so like crazy for me, like when Scott and I talk about Sago is that like, I never knew him before he was sick. Mm -hmm. Right. So like when Scott and I were still just like talking long distance on the phone, I remember him giving me tidbits of this story. Like, Oh, my Mm -hmm. best friend, like they think he has cancer. Not sure. You know what I mean? And I would get more and more of the story. Um, but I mean, I remember really clearly the first time that I met Josh, he was in the hospital <laughs> and it's- I so- forgot that you guys met in the hospital. Yeah. So it's like, that was the first time that I met him. So of course, like, I'm so nervous. Like, I'm like, this is my husband's like best friend in the world. He loves this man. <laughs> and it's like, he's in the hospital with this like horrifying cancer. Like, how am I supposed to act? Like, whatever. I walk in and he's like, oh, hey, Snooki. I was from Jersey and like that's his only reference like that he had so it's like through the whole thing he never lost his sense of humor like no so like snarky just like so funny always giving it to everybody and he was like amazing and I just remember so many times like then we would come back and like I remember you being there and I immediately felt a connection to you just because not only were you a teacher and stuff but I remember you being like I'm just sitting here catching up on my trashy TV. And you're like, I hope you don't judge me that I like reality TV. And I was like, oh, girl, like <laughs> you are speaking my language. Yeah. I love reality TV. So I immediately felt like I just like loved you guys. But yeah, like I didn't know him before the hospital days, you know? Well, and that's one thing. Like I feel like any doctor, any nurse, anyone that ever met him, he truly, he kept his sense of humor, his goal like he hated when people gave him that oh you have cancer look like it just drove him crazy because he's like I'm still me he goes the disease doesn't mean I've changed at all but like that was his number one goal is like he wanted to make people laugh he didn't want it to be about him like everything he even with like doctors and nurses he'd give his doctors and nurses like such a hard time like Mm. and they would like (laughs) walk me out in the hallway and they're like we're supposed to be treating him but yet (laughs) better when we leave like his room and I was uh, like I'm that's just him like yeah, I don't yeah. say like that's just who he is uh, <laughs> like, I love it. Right and I have to tell you like he was so proud he's like I'm totally calling her Snooki <laughs> and like as soon as he found out Scott was dating someone from Jersey he's like are you dating Snooki like that's all like he's so excited <laughs> to give you a hard time and I, I was like can you at least like slow down and like meet uh, her before you like let's start laying in on her oh my gosh I should have like looking back on it I have so much regret that I didn't just wear like head to toe leopard or like get a spray tan like why did I not do that oh my gosh I hate it so So, all right so you guys went through hell obviously like all of that is horrific but at some point he did go into remission right he did so we trying to think of when that was probably January of 2012, things are really promising. Yeah. He, like I said, he never really regained um, use of his legs, but in terms of cancer, he, they, he was cancer free. There was no activity from what they saw. They were able to get rid of everything um, through the surgery. We did a ton more chemo after he was able to recover. We had to switch our course of treatment um, in terms of chemo because he only had one kidney left after the surgery. So it was a milder dose of, um, chemo because he just couldn't metabolize and process the higher doses that he was getting. Um, but come January, there was no, no activity. So we were feeling pretty good. Like they were focusing on 
Like, what are our next steps? Do we continue? Like, obviously, so rhabdomyosarcoma isn't—it's impossible to say. (sighs) Doesn't cure, but they. there are, they had talked about using like pill form chemo to just keep things at bay um, at that point and really focusing on like, can we get him into rehab for his legs? Can we get some of like, like I said, he still had some bed sores just because of his lack of um, uh, circulation down in his feet in terms of healing some of those things that were left over from the hospital stay that we've had a year before. So they were really trying to focus on just like quality of life and just getting the the most out of it. Um, and just where we go from there. So we were feeling pretty good beginning of January, 2012, just kind of taking it step by step. Um, I would definitely say there were still some hospital stays in there because of, um, like I said, some of the issues with his legs and treating, um, the MRSA because that is really hard to treat. And he was on antibiotics and stuff like that. So there was still some hiccups along the way, but in terms of like everything we had walked through, it had, it was a lot lighter load than what we had been carrying. Uh, So I think things were looking better. And then um, June, we decided to plan a trip to San Francisco. We, it was was like, we hadn't taken a vacation since our honeymoon, like, let's get out. Like, and I feel guilty saying this, like, I was so excited for our trip and he, like Josh knew after coming back, but the trip that I had hoped was going to be super relaxing when you're still caring for someone that's sick, you just yeah. take them to a different place. Mm-hmm. And so it was a great trip for us in terms of like, we got to see a new place. We got to experience a whole new, a whole bunch of new things together. And I am so grateful for those memories, mm-hmm. but it still wasn't a complete reprieve for either one of us because we were just taking it with us. Like Josh okay. was still in his body that, wasn't what it used to be. Like he was athletic on the go all the time. And now he's seeing a new city in a wheelchair in which his wife is having to like wheel him around, which he felt super guilty about. So there was still aspects of our life that we were just adjusting to this new normal. Like we were just, I feel like that trip made us realize like, yes, we have, we have so much to be thankful for, but we still have so much adjusting to this new way of living that we're going to have. Oh yeah. we're, we were super excited. Yes, you're in remission, but it's still not what you're not going back to this. Totally. Life, you know it. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, I remember during that period, we all went to like Breckenridge for the day yeah. and he was doing really well at that time, but he was still in a wheelchair, you know, and like, <laughs> that's not easy. You know, yeah. like that's not easy for him. That's not easy for you. Like, that's not what you pictured when you got married, no. you know? And of course you say in sickness and in health, when we say that, do we mean it? Yes, we mean it. But do you picture what you went what? through one year after saying those words? No, you don't picture that. You're not expecting I mean, that. I think truly when people think sickness, it just, until you live it, you oh, don't yeah. know the depth and breadth of the, the heaviness of in sickness and in health. Mm-hmm. And I think that's for Josh and I, once we, once he got that, like, yeah, you're in remission. And like, you hear remission, you're like, oh, life's going to be back to normal. Yeah. But it, it is a new reality. Mm-hmm. And for he and I, a lot of the conversation was like, Josh's big struggle was like, we always wanted to be parents. Like from day one, we had this dream of being parents. And he was really struggling internally with, all right, you're already taking care of me. Mm-hmm. How can I ask you to now have my child and be a mom and take care of a child and me? That's just 
that's just too much. Like, so he was internally struggling with the, the child piece. And he's like, I'll never be able to like run after a football with my kids or coach Mm -hmm. a baseball game or in the way that he had pictured things. Totally. or even in terms of buying a house, like yeah. now you have to think about buying a one-story house that has yeah. a function for a wheelchair. And so things very much had to switch in our mentality. And both of us were trying to, to wrap our heads around our new reality when we went into the doctor um, that June. Yeah. I mean, I just think that it's so easy because like even me, right, being on the outside, you hear remission and you're like, yay, it's over. <laughs> But it's like for you, like I loved kind of what you said before about how it's like, you know, when you go through something hard, you lean on your spouse. But in this situation, like if I was like, I am so angry that this is how my life looks right now, I'm not going to say that to him who's like laying in a hospital bed. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And if he's feeling that, he's not going to say that to you, like rubbing it in. Like, and guess what? You get to be married to me. You know what I mean? It's like, so yes, when of course remission comes, it's an amazing, amazing thing. We're so thankful for it, but your relationship had morphed into something different, you know, like you love each other on this deeper, deeper level than you could imagine, but there's like different things going on. Well, and I still remember Kate, we were on our way to a doctor's office appointment one day and we were sitting in the car and we were listening to some radio show and you know how they have like those call-in segments and like and I remember the call-in so vividly we were going over C470 like by the big overpass like I remember it just like it was yesterday and he grabbed my hand and the call-in was this woman had left her husband after a cancer diagnosis and had an affair and literally just like divorced, picked up, started a new life. And he grabbed my hand and like with the most sincere, like the sincerest he could be, he goes, if you want to go, you can go. Oh, I, he goes, I will not blame you. I will not judge you. He goes, this is not the life that I want for you. I promise you this wonderful, beautiful life. And he goes, I just can't give that to you. And he goes, if you want to go, go. And that was probably about a year into everything. And I looked at him and I go, you're cr- like, what are you talking about? Right. Like, yeah. I promised for better or worse. Like, yeah. we're I'm like, I'm your ride or die. Like, we're doing this. Like, yeah. I'm not going anywhere. But I can't tell you how many times, like, at night we'd be laying there and he'd look at me and he'd be like, I just don't want this for you. I want better for you. You deserve more. And, I, and of course, like, I'm laying there in tears every time right. he says, that. And I'm like, but like you deserve to this, like, like no one deserves this, but this is the path and the cards that we've been dealt. And we're just going to walk this path the best that we can and be there for each other and be there for our family and friends. And, um, as much as they wouldn't wish this journey on anyone and in even my worst enemy, like I just would never wish this on anyone. I also can say like now standing on the other side that it's made me who I am Mm. and the mom that I am, the teacher I am, the spouse that I am to Nate, like I wouldn't be that person. It really forced me to do a lot of growing up really, really fast. Um, It was truly like boot camp 101, like Mm. here you go, here's adult things right right in front of your face and you have to figure it out. I also wouldn't change it for the simple fact that the love that Josh had for me Mm. was so deep and vice versa that I feel like 
even in your eighties, sometimes you don't experience that love that Josh and I had. And so I'm so thankful to have been loved by him that way. Even if it was for a short amount of time, I'm grateful for that because again, that made me who I am. Yes. Oh my gosh. That's so beautiful. Um, I don't even know what to say after that, but I mean, you guys are, you were amazing to watch, you know, like your relationship, it was beautiful to see. And honestly, like Josh through his whole ordeal, he could have, and I know that he struggled. Of course, I know this, like that he had some, you know, dark times and whatever, but he never lost himself, right? Like I remember, you know, Scott's birthday was coming up and he called me one time and he was like, I found this watch that I think Scott would really like. Like, do you want to go in on it with me? Like, it's like pretty expensive. Like we picked it out. Like I remember we went back and forth. Should we get this or this? He's like, I think this will be really good for him because it comes with two bands on the one watch face. Like blah, blah, blah. Like he was always keeping Scott dressed. Nice. Like he always, he helped Scott with his fashion so much. And so I remember he and I going back and forth about that. And then, I mean, I remember you guys were there the night we got engaged which is so special to me. Like it's so special that we have, cause Scott and I have pictures from that night and it's so special to us like that, you know, say goes in those pictures and he's there for that. I'm crying. I'm sorry. I'm crying. Like I'm an idiot. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, t- I, I was trying to like prep myself to be like, Oh my cool. gosh, I'm an idiot. But you know, it's like, and like, even I remember midway through us being engaged, I remember Sago calling me one day and you know, cause he was Scott's best man. And he was like, so I'm trying to think of like what I can do for Scott's bachelorette, bach, bachelorette, bachelor party. And like, this, this is what I'm thinking. And he's like going on about all these ideas. And I'm thinking like, this guy's like in a wheelchair, like in the hospital every other day. Like, and he's thinking about Scott. You know what I mean? Like he wasn't yeah. like, I can't do this. Like I obviously like this, is, I can't take this on. Like he wanted to take it on. You know what I mean? Like he was like, no, of course. Like, and he was like planning things. Like he was just like, an amazing person. And I remember, you know, we would do the egg and I breakfasts. Well, the boys would go like almost every Sunday. Like I feel like Scott and Sago went like every Sunday and you and I like would come on the Sundays. We felt like waking up. Yes. Every (laughs) once in a while we got an invite to their cool kids. club. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. But like, yeah, sometimes they were like, no, this is like a boy's day. And then other times they would allow us to come. (laughs) So at what point though, did the cancer come back. So we got back from our trip in June of 2012 and we no, I'm lying on that. So he went in for a scan like two days before we went on our trip. And then we knew coming back, we had a doctor's appointment and it was truly just to like, make sure everything was on the up and up. Yeah. And we got back and they, I mean, Dr. Acharya, she truly is like the best, one of the best people like you will ever meet. Like, and she was in this with us. Like it, yeah. she was treating Josh, like it was her brother. Like, yeah. um, and she sat there with tears in her eyes and she, gets, she just said, I'm sorry, you guys, like it's back and it's back very aggressively. Oh. And at this point she said, there's not really, like, we can't go back to the aggressive forms of chemo because his body just won't handle it. So she's, she gave us the option. She said, I want you, she goes, this is not a, like you make this decision right here in my office kind of thing. She said, go home, talk amongst yourselves, talk to your friends, talk to your family, like pray about it, but we can continue with the chemo that you were on before you were on remission. Mm -hmm. She goes, but the likelihood of things continuing to grow on that, um, 
chemo is pretty high and, um, or we just stop treatment and we just talk about quality of life and just let you enjoy because truly that chemo made him so sick that it, it, he with it. I, more times than not, when he was on that chemo, we ended up in the hospital at least for three or four days, just in terms of trying to keep him full of fluids. Cause he couldn't just keep, he couldn't keep anything down. Yes. So we go back to this cycle of every two to three weeks, we're in the hospital for almost a week to make sure that counts are up and that he can be out in the public without contracting yeah. anything. Fluids are good, all of that. Or do we just live our life for as long as we can? And she point blank said, she goes, it could be four weeks. It could be six months. It can be two years. We, we don't have a time frame, but you guys need to decide how you want to spend your time together. And we also brought up the point of like, do you want to travel? Do you like, what do you want to do with the time left is the question that she asked Josh and I, which is like the most, again, you're sitting in a doctor's office and again, your world, even though it was pretty, I won't say our journey was smooth. It was very tumultuous and up and down. And like, I always, Josh and I said, it felt like a wild roller coaster that we wanted to get off of. Um, But even again, hearing that news of like, what do you want to do with the time you have left? Again, you just sit there like numb to it all of, I don't know this. These are big choices to make. Like we're just turned 30. Like we shouldn't be having these conversations at 30. I was I think 27. Like, I I don't, I don't know what to do with, with questions. And um, so we went home, obviously told our friends and our family and all of them were just like, you were behind you, no matter what you want. There was, I don't feel like there was ever any pressure of, you have to continue treatment. You have to keep fighting yeah. for, for me or for us. Everyone was very, everyone was on the roller coaster ride with us and knew what a hard journey it had been. So I think they realized like, whatever we want to do. Like, I feel like truly if we had said we wanted to go to Paris for a week, everyone would have rallied and figured totally. out a way to Paris and like let's live in a chateau and eat cheese and wine for the rest (laughs) of our time together. Absolutely. Obviously that is not the the path we decided, but, (laughs) but I remember just sitting like in our bed, like truly. And I asked him, I go, so what do you want to do? And it was probably, he's like, I don't know. I don't know. And he again, asked me the question. I said, I don't know. I I'm doing, I'm going to take your lead here. Mm -hmm. And it was really interesting, Kate, because I feel like it was like two or three days where we just really didn't talk about it. Mm -hmm. And finally, and he and I had both been feeling this way, but neither one of us wanted to bring it up. And finally, Josh got the guts to just blurt it out one day. And he goes, I want to have a kid Mm -hmm. just like that. And I was like, seriously, Cause that's kind of what I was feeling too. Like, I really want to have a child with you and I want to at least, I feel like so much has been robbed from us that I at least yeah. want to experience this with you. Yeah. And hearing both of us saying that, like now as a parent, I'm thinking, Oh my God, if one of my kids said that to me, I would yeah, think yeah. absolutely crazy. Yeah, like yeah. it's insane. Like, and I seriously, I remember being so nervous to tell my parents, like, yeah. guess what we want to do? Like, yeah. we want to and we're not sure if Josh is going to be alive to see this kid and all of this stuff. And I remember, I feel like my dad was like, okay, all right. Like, like he's pretty even keel with it all. And my mom, that mom came in and I remember going out to lunch with her and 
her, she played it really calm when it was just the four of us. Yeah. And then when it was her and I, she mm. expressed like, you know, I'm, just, I'm really worried for you. Like yeah. being a mom isn't easy. And what if this child ends up with cancer, just like Josh. And uh. like, I mean, we went through the gamut of worries and she yeah. goes, your heart couldn't take losing a husband and a child. Yeah. And like, how are you going to do, do this? And I, I remember sitting down there. I'm like, mom, we're not like making this decision flippantly. Like we've talked to the doctors, the doctors say, have said, this is not genetic. So we've like asked, we've done our due diligence in terms of like health questions. And and we've like lined everything up in terms of like making sure we have enough health or um, life insurance that like Mm -hmm. the baby and I covered, like we, Josh had really, before he even said any, like proposed the idea to me, he had really done his due diligence to make sure that things would be okay for our child going forward. Mm-hmm. And so we had come to this decision. I think we had a doctor's appointment like a week later. And I remember sitting in the doctor's office and being like, so we want to have a kid. And Dr. Acharya just being like, what? Uh, like, we're going to travel. Yeah, she's yeah. Like, hey. She's like, seriously, this is what you guys want to do. And within the day, she was on the phone mm-hmm. with, um, doctors, like we obviously, because he went through chemo, we couldn't yeah. conceive naturally. We would have yeah. to go through IVF. And, um, I was really fortunate because, um, Colorado center for reproductive medicine was close by and it's one of it's an awesome reproductive medicine, um, yeah. clinic. And one of our doctors that did Josh's initial surgery actually worked for them as well uh-huh. as their male urologist. And my brother was actually working there at the time as an embryologist. Yeah. And literally she made a few phone calls. And usually if you've been through the IVF process, I know we've both had friends go through IVF and yeah. it's, it's a year, year and a half process yeah. until you're like pregnant and they right. can go through you know, the testing and this and that. And we found out in June and I had my, um, retrieval and I forget what they call it now, your implantation where they put yeah. the baby back in, um, by September. So it yeah. literally got everything done within three months. They, I mean, all the, cause we, after going through cancer, like we couldn't afford to do IVF, the $20,000 that it would take, like, um, the clinic donated all of the meds to us for us to do it. Um, so, I mean, it was a huge blessing and we literally had one, I mean, we had several embryos, but in terms of time frame for Josh, Josh to be a part of this, we had really one chance to get pregnant yeah. and thankfully it took. And yes. um, I was pregnant and Josh got to be a part of the early stages of our pregnancy. Yeah. And so as crazy and as of a whirlwind of it was, and like, a, like I look back at it now and it, as a mom, I think what a crazy decision. Like I don't, right. that's so hard for me to watch one of my boys go through that and make that right. decision of like, you're going to probably be a single parent and not them not knowing what it is to be a parent. Mm-hmm. that I won't say, I mean, it's not a burden, but that just the weight of being, having to care for a child and being oh, the yeah. only one to do that. Um, now I look back and think, holy, like my parents were so supportive and oh. like did it without a beat. And like, now I'm like, so thankful for it, but it just like makes me smile having the perspective of a parent on the yes. other side. Like, absolutely. All of this. <laughs> I, cause I remember when you guys had told us like, we're going to have a yeah. baby, of course, like Scott and I are like, that's beautiful. That's amazing. Like, you know what I mean? Like everybody's crying and it's like, 
but we didn't have a kid. We yeah. didn't know. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, we're like, yeah, this is so beautiful. Of course you want to have a baby. It's like, but I didn't know what, I, I didn't know anything about anything. You know what I mean? And yeah. So, yeah, of course, I'm sure your parents struggled with that, but they were so supportive. They were so amazing. I feel like once we started the process, they were like all in. The funniest story is my mom actually took me to when they like popped the baby back in <sighs> and the doctor, like, I loved our doctor. He goes, little did you know your mom was going to be in the room when you got knocked up. To the <laughs> Everyone just like had a great sense of humor about it because yeah. you have to in these yes. situations. They were phenomenal with it. Like I said, I still have contact with a lot of our doctors just because they were so supportive. They were just like, whatever you want to do, we're going to make your wish come true. Like they were phenomenal with it. Mm. Friends, family, doctors, I couldn't like truly feeling the love of the Lord. Like talk about like surrounding it in such a hard time. Like it was amazing. And I mean, that whole process really was a miracle. Like you said, the fact that they donated everything, you got into the doctor that you were able to get pregnant so quickly. I mean, people who are listening to this, who are either going through IVF or have gone through it, their jaw is probably on the floor. You know what I mean? Because it was insane. No, this doesn't happen. happen. Like they truly fast. I don't know how they did like as soon as we said we wanted to be pregnant, doors just started opening for us to be with the right doctors. Yeah. Um, so, it, I mean, it truly was like God opening a door for us to walk through because there's no other way it would have happened otherwise. Absolutely. All right. So you got pregnant in like September and yes. then December. Christmas Josh passed away. away. Tell us So Josh, happened. yeah. So we, I'm really, really grateful. So thankfully Josh was able to see like, ultrasound pictures and do some of the beginning stages. We had just right before he passed away, we had just found out we were having a boy and it was kind of by accident that we found out because the ultrasound tech was like, Oh, I see something on here. And I was like, she's like, Oh no, no, I'm not. I, where did you want to She totally like missed that. Just goofed. Yeah. Yeah. What do you see? Is it what I think you see? Yeah. Yeah. Like, well, I can't be sure. We'll confirm um, your December ultrasound. Um, and the, and so I told him, I go, we're having a boy. Like yeah. she's like 90% sure that we're having a boy. So we'd already picked out a name. So yeah. he was able to be a part of that process, um, which I'm super, super thankful for. Um, yeah. but December, it was actually Christmas. Um, we, his, his family, I feel like his mom had come over like the day before and hung out for a little bit. And we went to bed that night and he was just really coughing and just couldn't catch his breath. Mm -hmm. And I remember like sitting up all night with him Christmas Eve and we watched, we were watching friends Mm -hmm. um, and he just couldn't catch his breath, Mm -hmm. which was not normal for him. Like he never really had a breathing issue. And so Christmas morning we got up and he like, didn't want to come downstairs. And I went down and told my mom and dad, I said, he's really having a hard time breathing. Um, but like we need to get some food in him. So it took my dad and my brother to get him downstairs because he was just so weak and struggling so much to breathe. And when my, we got downstairs, my mom was like, we got to call an ambulance like that. He just doesn't look good. And at first he was like, no mom, I'm fine. I'm fine. Like, please don't call an ambulance. Like it's Christmas. I just want to, I just want to enjoy the day with you guys. Like he was really against it, um, at first. And so like, we start like trying to get Christmas breakfast going. And finally he looked at my mom and he goes, it's time. Like, I need you to call an ambulance. And for him to say that Mm -hmm. I knew things were really, really bad. 
Yeah. Um, and so I think we were loaded up in the car. Like we loaded up in the car. The ambulance was there like right away. Mm-hmm. Um, and they took him to the hospital. We all went. Um, and they had found out that his lung, he was actually like bleeding in his lungs. And so they could either go in and do surgery and, um, remove the blood so he could breathe easier. But pretty much what the doctor told us, like your body's shutting down at this point. I I need to backtrack. I think, I don't know if I said this, we, he decided not to do treatment. That's part part of this. Um, wanted to live out his life. And so his organs were just starting to shut down at this point. Um, and so he, we just kind of hung out at the hospital. It took him a while to figure out what was going on. Um, but the doctor came in and said, Hey, we can either do the surgery and take the fluid out of your lungs, but just so you know, it's going to keep happening. Like this is only going to prolong the inevitable. And I remember like my mom and dad and my brother kind of stepped out of the room and he just held my hand and said, as much as I want to be here for you. And he goes, I've hung on for two and a half years. Cause I just wanted to every night I went to bed. I just told myself, I want to spend one more day with you. And, and he goes, I can't do this anymore. He goes, it's time. Mm-hmm. And of course, like I'm bawling, yeah. but I knew like, I, I selfishly, I wanted to say, no, like keep yeah. fighting. Obviously like I'm, I need more time with you. Yeah. Uh, but on the flip side, I knew it was time yeah. to, to let go and it, talk about like, will to live like shortly. It wasn't with, I think I called Scott right away yeah. and said, Hey, and he was on the airport. He was on his way to the airport to go see you. Yeah. And I said, here's the deal. Like he's not gonna, gonna do this. They're saying it's a matter of, of days here, possibly hours. Yeah. And, um, he was gone by the end of the day. I mean, yeah. he was, he was gone within a couple of hours of yeah. the doctor saying that, like, he just, he let go. And, and that was, that was that. And, um, I always tell my mom, cause Christmas is my favorite holiday. Yeah. <laughs> I go, I feel like he went on Christmas to make sure I didn't like wallow on the day that it happened. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like still like celebrate. Have, yeah. Like, yeah. Celebrate. And, mm-hmm. um, but I'm thankful that like uh, everyone got to be there that yeah. to say goodbye that needed yeah. to. And um, yeah, it Ugh. was definitely a, a wild journey, but I'm, I'm grateful for who he was in my life yeah. and everything that we got to experience and love together. And <sighs> I have an amazing little boy from, yes. from him and my little, my little piece of heaven. He, and <laughs> so he is, is delicious. He is just, so you found yourself then a widow and what, six months pregnant? I I was four months pregnant, four months pregnant, pregnant. 28 year old, 27, four Uh, months pregnant, living with my parents. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Where do you go from there? (laughs) And I remember the funeral. I mean, I'll never forget the funeral. It was like maybe the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. I mean, just like, not just like the physical space, but just like the amount of people, the amount yeah. of love, like it was like breathtaking. It was. And I was, I could not believe the amount of people and the oh. love and the stories, doctors, nurses, yes. people that we had known from childhood, like yes. 
I feel like anyone that he'd ever spoken to had like been there and had a story about how he made their life better. And I was just hundred percent. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I mean, it was, it was beautiful, but then after the funeral, you know, I remember he left you a journal, right. That he wrote mm-hmm. in and didn't you read a page every night? Um, I was really shocked. Yeah. He had, he's either my dad or my brother take him out to go get a journal. Mm-hmm. And he wrote in it probably every day, mm-hmm. um, the last month of his life, just wow. thoughts about our relationship, like memories he had that were special to him about things that we had gone through hopes that he had for our child, wow. um, hopes that he had for me as a mother. And so obviously I didn't know he had done this. Yeah. Um, he written letters to his nieces and nephews for yeah. them to which that I knew about because I gave yeah. to them but I had no idea about this journal and yeah. I, like I said it was either my brother or my dad that like gave it to me and at first I couldn't I yeah. was not in a headspace to yeah to look at it or read it um now I've read it several times oh. um now I have it tucked away with a bible of Josh's for Aiden oh. so that he can read it at some point yeah. uh, I don't think he's there yet, I, oh, yeah. but it's there so he can see kind of his dad's thoughts and feelings about things. Um, but I'm really grateful that he had the forethought to do that for, for Aiden and I just, yeah. it was like, you need a, a little minute to like regroup and yeah. have that like one-on-one time with him still. And yeah. at the beginning, I would read it more often than not. And to the point now that every once in a while, I'll pull it back out. Yeah. Um, but I'm, I'm grateful that I have that little piece left of him. Oh, of course. Um, and so then a few months later, you had Aiden. And of course, you had like a traumatic birth. It was, a, it was not an easy birth. That was not <laughs> he, easy. No, he got stuck. So I was pushing for, for quite a while. But he um, he was worth every, every oh, little bit of it. And he was the cutest thing. I remember Something. holding him in the hospital. And yeah. I was like, how can he just be a few hours old? He was like so... So his cheeks were so full, like his skin. Oh, he was delicious. He was just, yeah. oh, oh my gosh. He was so cute. Yeah. He truly, and such a blessing because people always ask me the question, like, how are you able to move on? And truly, like, I didn't really have a choice to wallow. Like that I had a few so get my life together yeah. and then I knew I had to be together for this little person that was coming in and I had to be at my best for him. Yeah. Um, And don't kid yourself. Like there were moments I definitely had my meltdowns after he was born or I still have moments where um, I struggle with it, Mm -hmm. but I, it didn't, I didn't have the space to just sit and and live in that grief. I yeah. had to go through those steps yeah. probably sooner rather than later. Yeah. So in some regards, it was a blessing. Like there were definitely probably a year, year and a half after Josh passed that I ended up going and seeing a counselor because there was just more that I needed to process and deal with that I kind of shoved yeah. down and I put on mom hat and that's just where I went. And yeah. then as you know, like some of that stuff starts to bubble up and you have to eventually deal with it. Yeah. But definitely having a child was a big piece of hope and like a promise that things were going to be better. And so it really gave me the courage to like step forward and keep moving. Hmm. 
And, you know, you have been amazing about, like we talked about the journal, but like with Aiden, you've done a really like insane, amazing job with like, first of all, keeping Josh's family a huge part of Aiden's life, like his cousins and his aunts and things like that, but also just like, you've made Josh a part of Aiden's life, you know, like with pictures and like, tell us about the balloons, the balloon thing that you do. So every um, birthday, so Josh's birthday is the 5th of July. Mm-hmm. I always give Aiden the option of picking out balloons for Josh and writing him a letter. And we always say we're going to send it to dad in heaven. It's just a little token so that Aiden has something. There are some years that he's wanted to do it. And then other years he's told me, you know, it just makes me too sad to do it. Like, so I kind of just take his lead yeah. with like, when he was younger. He was all about getting balloons and sending them to daddy. Yeah. And then uh, I think when he was six, he was like, nope, I, I don't want to do it this year. Mm-hmm. Um, but this last year he brought it up to me. He's like, mom, it's close to dad's birthday. Can we go get balloons? And this year he was really, really sweet about it. He goes, I want to pick everyone's favorite color out. So he picked out Josh's favorite color. And then he picked out Hudson's favorite color, mm-hmm. his favorite color, and Nate's favorite color. So it was like this like blended family of balloons so that daddy knows that we're all okay. And so, oh, um, and so this year he was all about it. Um, but yeah, we try to make him not to the point. I always take Aiden's lead because there are times Aiden does not want to talk about it. And I feel like when he was younger, it was probably easier to talk about it. Um, now that he's older, he realizes that like Nate's his stepdad, especially once we had Hudson, he realizes that he didn't get to have some of those things that Hudson has had to have Uh... dad present. And so there are times that like, I'll bring something up and he'll be like, I don't really want to talk about it right now, mom. And I said, okay, that's fine. Or he'll bring something up out of the blue and it kind of catch me off guard and we'll talk about it then and there. Um, But I really try to follow his lead on what he wants to know and um, what he's like. Like a couple of weeks ago, he like flopped on the couch. It was just he and I like Saturday afternoon and just with tears in his eyes, he goes, do you think my dad's proud of me? And it was so out of, and of course, Again, I'm like, he's so good at catching me off guard. I'm like, can you like mentally like give yeah. me some clues that we're going to talk about seriously. this? Yeah, Are seriously. Hello. But I was like, of course, buddy, he is. And so yeah. that opened the door to talk about like who he was and like things that he enjoyed and how they're similar. And so a lot of it is just taking his lead. The surprising thing is that it always kind of makes me smile is he actually brings up Josh more to Nate than he does to me. And it's always in the car when they're on the way to like karate or baseball, he'll ask questions about Josh and like Nate can answer to like what I've told him about him. But yeah. I think it's really interesting that a lot of times he'll bring it up to Nate because yeah. I never of like when he talks about it I usually don't get sad like I try to be very like keep my affect pretty yeah like yeah calm because I don't want him to ever feel like he can't talk to me because it upsets me because it doesn't like I as you know I'm very much an open book about Josh and whatever you want to know let's talk about it um so it's like I said for him it's really kind of reading his cues and what he wants to know um I got my watch fixed the other day and he was like mom that's such a pretty watch like I think I want to watch when I get older and I said well I have daddy's watch for you that I saved he goes oh that's so awesome like how old do I have to be to be able to get dad's watch and so like there are little things like that that he like gets excited about yeah Um, and stuff. So Uh, that's amazing. I mean, you, you are an amazing mom. Like, let me just like, this girl is the strongest person I've ever met in my life. Like literally you 
had this baby on your own when Aiden was still a little baby you bought a house like you were living on your I remember thinking like I was like if I were her I'd be like guess what I'm gonna live with my parents forever like I'm just gonna like this is just gonna be my life like I'm just gonna live here with my baby in my parents house forever because I can't do anything by myself you were like I'm buying a house like I like you kept working like you were just amazing and as I said, you've kept Josh's family a big part of your life and Aiden's life. And you, you're you just phenomenal. Like I just, I, you were so strong. I mean, I remember going out to dinner with you, just the two of us, not long after Josh had died. And like, you were out at dinner with me, like <laughs> rocket, like, you know what I mean? Like functioning. Like, and I just like, couldn't believe it. Like, I'm like, she, I, she has makeup on and she did her hair. Like, I just like, you were just so strong. So when did you feel ready to date? Cause I mean, you're like a widow, you are a single mom, like you work a ton, you own a house. Like, when is it like, oh, like, <laughs> add that piece to the puzzle. Right. Um, I really say that I was like all like it's time to go like yeah 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 one morning I'm like it's time to date like I felt like I was getting there and I was healing but to be honest I was so nervous to like put myself out there I'm like oh, I didn't yeah. first off again you said I'm a widow with a kid like that's yeah. a lot to like take on for yeah. some guy to like like oh yeah she's a catch like yeah. Um, and I will say it was this like aha moment. It was some close friends being like, you know, like you seem to be in a better place. Like, why don't you just try going out on a few dates and see yeah. what you think? And if you hate it, like shut it down. Like totally. But that, like, even thinking about like, where do I even go out to like meet people? I'm a teacher, so I'm with children all day long. Right. Like, date a parent that's like super weird exactly like, it's my contract too <laughs> I could get fired I could get fired for this I'm with my 18 month old I think yeah. at that point yeah and, and like all I do is have children around me 24 7 like yes. how do I go out and meet people and so I had a few friends that were like all right let's like fill out a dating application online yeah, yeah. It was so weird to me to begin with like online dating just felt so scratchy and uncomfortable, but it was one of those, like, what's the worst that could happen? Like totally. it, for me, so much out of my comfort zone. Like I, yeah. like I will talk to my friends and family till I'm blue in the face, but you put me in front of people. I don't know. And I'm very shy yeah. and introverted. And so to put myself out there was very, very uncomfortable and hard. And, yeah. but it was one of those things that I was like, if I won't know, unless I try. And yeah. so I went out on a few dates and some of them were great and some of them were really awkward. And I yeah. was like, okay, I'm never seeing you again. <laughs> this yeah. is really uncomfortable. Um, but it was just kind of a slow evolution to being there. And even when Nate and I started dating, yeah. I can't tell you like truly, if you ask Nate, he probably would say he was afraid I was going to break up with him every other week because I was like, my anxiety was yeah. like the roof in terms yes. of like, putting myself and not even putting myself out there. Like he and I were good friends, but just putting myself out there in terms of like, I could lose this relationship again, like yeah. making myself vulnerable again. Oh, yeah. So like I said, he would joke now that like, I, he thought I was going to dump him every other week, but yet oh, here we are. Four yeah. years 
Oh, <laughs> uh, and so like, did you struggle with like guilt or did you feel like weird telling people like I met this guy or did you feel okay about it? Um, it depended. Like there were, I think for me, I was more worried that people were going to compare yes. whoever I was dating to, to Josh, because truly he was, Josh was an amazing man and set the bar really, really high. Like yeah. he treated me so so well. Like I, he adored me. Like I could not have asked for like a better husband. Mm -hmm. And so I truly felt bad for whoever I dated to be held to that standard. And I didn't want them to feel the pressure of living up to him because mm -hmm. that's not fair to them. And I, right. that was more my fear is that like, it's not like Josh and I got this horrific divorce and everyone hates my ex-husband. Like everyone still loves him. Yeah. And so now this new man comes into my life and how could he possibly live up to this expectation of this yeah. man that I loved? Like it, I, totally. I, I felt very protective of Nate yeah. and I's relationship because I didn't want him to get trampled. Does that yes. make sense? Not 100%. that my friends were saying like, would ever do it intentionally, of course. but you can't help but compare mm -hmm. and want something similar for your friend. Like, well, he treated her so well. So I want this person to treat her just the same. Totally. Oh yeah. So I felt more intimidated and nervous for whoever I was dating yeah. versus me personally. Like, yeah. Which is so sweet of you. And so what drew you to Nate? <laughs> well, as you know, Nate very much like he, if you were to see a picture of Josh and Nate, they are like polar opposites. Polar opposites. Polar opposite. Which is why um, your two children could not look more yeah, different. Yeah. I literally, they could not look more. Like, it's going to be great when they're in school together and they're Absolutely. like, you're brothers. Yeah, people <laughs> yeah, are going to be like, I don't brothers. get it. <laughs> I don't care at all. Um, what first drew me to Nate is he and I talked for probably about two months before I like agreed to go on a date with him at all. Yeah. And he was just so so kind and just wore his heart on his sleeve. Like I never had to wonder like where he was in our relationship or what he was thinking. He didn't play games. He was very yeah. honest from the get go. Cause I'd been on a few dates and dated a few people that were just like yeah. very, you could see they were very manipulative and just not great people. And so I really appreciated his just openness and what yeah. you see is what you get, but good or bad, like here's, yeah. here's who I am. And I would say, um, the other thing is that he was never intimidated by Josh, this ever looming yeah. presence of this past husband. Like he very much understood and appreciated that like I am the person I am because of who he was to me and how he loved me and our journey. Mm -hmm. And he realized that the woman he fell in love with wouldn't be there if I hadn't had this. And he never looked at it as a competition, like, and he yeah. still to this day doesn't look at it as a competition. Like yeah. when it comes to Aiden, I mean, I can't tell you how many times that Nate will look at me. He goes, I just hope like if, like if, and when Josh and I meet in heaven, like he's proud of the dad I was for, for <sighs> Aiden. Those are things that he thinks of. Like he doesn't ever look at it as like a, a competition for my attention, for Eden's attention. He was very secure mm -hmm. in who he was mm -hmm. and our relationship. And I think that for me was super reassuring Oh yeah, because there was a couple people that I had dated that it was very clear mm. that it was a competition. 
And yeah. there was no need for that competition. Yeah. For, like I said, for him, he just rolled with it. Yeah. Um, he understood the importance of knowing Josh's friends and family to this day. Like, as you said, we're super close with Josh's family. We all just got together a couple of weekends ago for my um, nephew's 16th birthday. Like Hudson calls Josh's brothers or Josh's sisters, his aunts and uncles, right? Like those are his aunts, those are his uncles, those are his cousins, whether there's blood relationship or not. He calls Josh's mom, Nana, Josh's mom adores Hudson, treats him just the same as Aiden, like those are her grandkids. Yeah. Um, and like she she calls um she refers to Nate as her son-in-law. Like we are just one big That's family. Yeah. Um so he never like he loves Josh's family just as he does his own. Like mm-hmm. those are big things to me that he was, was like, I want to know them, I want to be a part of this that like made me fall in love with him even more. Like, let alone like he's a very hard worker and just yeah. my dad looked at me, he goes, he adores you. Like yeah. you gotta, like I told you the first couple months of our relationship, I felt like I was a basket case. Like one yeah. minute I was like, yes, let's date. And the next minute I was running. For I the can't. House. Yeah. Yeah. And my anxiety was like through the roof. And I remember my dad sitting down with me. He goes, you are fortunate that you have had two men that love and adore yes. you. And he goes, you, he goes, he is amazing to you. And he yeah. goes, and it, it was like bawling, of course. And I was like, I know that he goes, what are you so afraid of? He goes, if you're not ready, tell him that. And you can just be you and Aiden. But he goes, no matter who, whether it's with him or with someone else, you're going to have to put yourself out there and it's never going to feel comfortable. So you worth that risk or are you just going to hang back and try to figure it out on your own? And like him, like he was kind of given that like dad, tough love conversation. Like you need to figure it out or let this guy go. Cause you can't keep doing this like roller coaster with him. It's not fair. Right. And so like having some of that tough love and like really taking stock in like what God had put in my life at that point was, was what I needed. Yeah. Oh, and I mean, he is the best. Nate is just, <laughs> he is so precious. We love him so much. I remember, um, being out to dinner with you guys one time and it was like, you and Nate and Aiden and then me and Scott and Jace. And Jace was like so tiny. And I remember like Nate was like holding Jace and she pooped on him. It was like a whole thing. But then <laughs> I remember there was this like sweet, sweet moment where we were leaving and Aiden like fell off of something and kind of tripped. And like he didn't get hurt, but he looked embarrassed. Like he was at that age where he was starting to become aware of himself. And he looked like embarrassed. And Nate just like scooped him up and very quietly was just like, you know what? Like I fell at work yesterday and I just (laughs) laughed. And like, he just had this like very, very precious moment with Aiden. Like, and you guys weren't even married yet. And like Scott, like was like cloud, like cloudy eyed. Like he was just like, he's, he's so great. Like, you know, cause like, he was just like, he loves him. Like, you know, and it was like such a sweet like moment, you know what I mean? And it was just like, that was like Nate, you know, like he's just like, like the way he just like scooped him up and like took him away and like whispered to him, like, Hey, I fell yesterday too. And it was just like, so cute. It was so like fatherly and caring, you know? Mm -hmm. And then Scott had the honor of marrying you guys, like officiating your way. And I mean, and to say that he was honored is like, such an understatement, you know, I mean, it was so emotional for him in a good way. And like, he felt so like, 
Josh would be proud, like that this is happening. Like he would love Nate, like for Chelsea, for Aiden. I feel like so happy that Chelsea found this man and that he is going to be a father to Aiden. Like it was just like so beautiful and so redemptive. And like, yeah, it was emotional, but it was so amazing. And like, we were so happy for you and Aiden. And it's like, you've created this beautiful life together. And now you have precious Hudson with his like white blonde hair. Yes. He is just it like really the blondest. He, oh, he is the blondest. Like I would pay money to have his blonde hair. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> um, no, it truly is. Like it's been such a blessing to see I won't say everything come full circle, but in terms of like God being able to restore piece by piece yeah. um, and just keep those promises that had been given since the beginning. And yeah. that's been like the biggest blessing. Well, and now like having two boys, like I couldn't ask for anything more. Hudson was our little uh, surprise um, after yeah. our honeymoon and has been our surprise that just keeps on giving. He's our little fire <laughs> every single day. Um, <laughs> But it, it's, I, people ask, they're like, how, how is life now? And I would say that it's like busy and fun and this big giant adventure. Like it is never quiet in our house. Like my parents were the boys this last weekend because Nate and I were out of town and my dad's like, they never stop. Like you guys are always going, I go, yes, this I'm exhausted all the time. (laughs) Um, But truly it's like, I'm so able to like relish in those small moments. Yeah. because I realized how quickly those small moments could not be there. Mm-hmm. And so they always say like the days are really long, but the years are short. Like I yeah. feel like just yesterday I had Aiden yeah, and now he's going to be eight here in a month. And I'm like, how is this happening already? Like he's yeah. already talking about like where he's going to be meeting his friends for to get on the a bus to go to middle school. And I'm like, I'm crying. Um, but it really like, if anything, and I really tried to like impress upon that with Nate is like stopping and enjoying those little moments because they go by so fast. Yeah. As you know, with your oh, own kid. Yeah, absolutely. You think you're like, why? Why are they so big and so yes. mouthy? <laughs> oh, I know. Oh, the mouthy. Oh, I mean, oh, you're just amazing. I mean, you really are. So like looking back, what do you think got you through the hardest times? I'd say love, yeah. love, my husband loving me mm-hmm. through it all and us, our love for each other and yeah. realize it was for better or worse. Yeah. And that, um, no matter what we had each other's backs and we weren't in this, we weren't fighting against each other that we were fighting mm-hmm. together. Yeah. I would say love of family and friends. Cause I literally cannot tell you that their strength that got us through some days, like when mm-hmm. Josh and I were wanting to be puddles on the floor, mm-hmm. people coming to our door, whether it's getting us food or like, Hey, let's go outside and get fresh air from this yeah. hospital or, yeah. um, it, whether it was coming to our house or mm-hmm. one of our favorite things was to go to a Rockies game or yeah. going to Rockies games together and still trying to build some sense of normalcy or, um, our friends were amazing during this journey and put a silent auction together to raise money for us to pay um, hospital bills. Like our friends and family, like 
came around us like this giant army and were like Mm -hmm. leading the forefront in front of us so that we could, so that they could shelter some of the hits we were taking. Um, So I think that was a big part of it. And I would just say God's love for Josh and I, like the promise that this is that he's going to turn those beauty that those ashes into beauty at the end of it. Like I remember really early on in the journey, um, reading that scriptures and Psalm that says, be still and know that I am God. It's still my, my favorite scripture. I have, I have a tattooed next to my heart, just as a reminder of when I'm like super panicked and having anxiety and feeling like the world's crashing in is just sit and be still, because even if we can't see what's what he's working on behind closed doors. Yeah. He's still working on our behalf. Yeah. And little did I know, like when we started this journey that he was already orchestrating the doctors so that we could have Aiden and yes. friends and family. Like there's just, I can't tell you Kate, how much, like I felt God's love more present during that journey than I ever have in my walk with God. And it's funny because people would say like, wouldn't you feel far away with like, you're being punished. You hate God. Like you're so angry with him because this happened to you. And to be honest, I never felt angry for, with him for letting this happen. I, if I, people ask why I didn't, I couldn't let myself go to the, why me, why him? Because if I did, I don't think I would have been able to get out of that. I had to focus on everything that God was providing and the love that he was showing us as we walked through this journey and focus on what he was trying to teach us through those lessons versus the, the horror of what was happening. If that makes sense. Yes. That is like, Oh, mic drop like that. There's nothing else. I can't add anything to that. Like that's, (laughs) you're amazing. Thank you for talking to us about this. I know that it's not easy, you know, for you to bring up all of that junk, but it is beautiful and you're beautiful and you have a beautiful story and a beautiful family. And we are just so thankful that you opened up and shared all this with us today. Well, thank you for having me. I am like so proud of you. This is amazing. Hopefully um, my few words, very wordiness helped touch someone that's either walking through something, something similar or just needed to hear something I said. So thank you for giving this platform to. Oh, absolutely. (laughs) But we got to end it on like a true, like Chelsea Kate fashion here. What trash TV are you into right now? I don't know. Anything housewives is like totally my thing right now. And it's so yes. funny because I got into it when Josh was sick as like, yeah. a, I like feel better about my life kind of thing. Yes, absolutely. And I can't let it go. Like Nate just rolls his eyes. Like he could probably talk like housewives with us with the best because he's so sweet it. and he watches it with me. It just rolls his eyes. Like he I even- love him. Um, our new favorite that we've watched recently is summer house because it is like That's real. Oh, if you haven't seen it, no, it's just what really- is that? Um, it's like real world meets, um, I don't know, like it's like a, a Bravo's version of real world. It's really funny. Like our oh, some friends love it. recommended it. So that was what we've been binge watching lately is that summer house, summer house. It's so ridiculous. It'll make you feel better about your life though. That's why, <laughs> Hey, I've said it a thousand times. That's why I love the housewives. It just takes you away <laughs> to a different land with yeah, people that you have nothing in common with. And it's so funny 
Yeah. Catching up on, I got behind and I'm catching up now. Hulu just put out like a new season of the housewives of New York, which is old now, but it's new for Hulu. Yeah. So I'm now watching it and it's been life-giving obviously. No. Well, and Jersey just started. So you're going to, I know. Oh, I've been watching Jersey. Oh, don't you worry. I've been watching Jersey. I have to. Hello. Oh, it's too good. Are you reading any books right now or you don't have time? Um, I really wish I could say like I'm reading some like awesome book, but have being a teacher and a mom, like I feel like all I read is kids books. So yes, like we read Goodnight Construction Site every night. I could probably have that. That's cute. Oh my gosh. Haven't memorized. Um, Aiden's been really into like I Survived. and I love those I Survived books. So let me tell you, we just did the Joplin Tornado. It was intense for my seven-year-old. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> and I, he was, like, cool yeah. enough to, like, list, like actually read an adult book. But yeah. if I have time, it's, like, listening to a podcast or, like, reading an article on my totally. phone. <laughs> totally. I have to say, like, I do enjoy, like, obviously Aiden's a lot older than Jace. But, like, now Jace can, like, we got, like, the Welly Wishers or this, like, American Girl, whatever. But it's, like, chapter books come with the dolls. And, like, we can read a chapter a night and she can track with the story. And, like, that's way more enjoyable than reading freaking, you know. The, the very hungry caterpillar 14 times. Over and over and over. And you want to, like, die. <laughs> you know, it's like, I'm like, oh, yay, chapter books. Like, yay, we made it track with like character development like this is so exciting that's so the teacher in you like yeah, Nate totally. just like dies like when Aiden and I like talk shop because he'll be like <laughs> mom the reason that this says oh is because it's an open syllable he's like you two are nerds and uh, I was like I'm sorry. <laughs> we can't help it give it just leave us you can't alone. help you can't take the teacher out of us <laughs> uh, no you can't it's always Ever. Oh my gosh. Chels, thank you so much for your time, your words of wisdom. We love you. We just are obsessed with the fact that you came and talked to us all this time and said all these beautiful things. We love you. Hey, thanks for joining us today. Don't forget to like and subscribe right now before you go. And hey, if you want to toss us a five-star rating, I would love you forever. Check us out next week for our next episode. You can catch So What Else anywhere you get your podcasts or at CaitlinElliott.com. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram at so.what.else. Artwork by Caroline Chicola and editing and everything else by Scott Elliott. Thanks so much. We'll see you next week.